Welcome to the We're Better Together podcast. I'm Ian Stevenson. And I'm Katen Garcia. On this show, we talk to real people, have honest conversations, and hear profound stories where unity is emerging. As you listen, our desire is to equip and encourage you to catalyze unity in your community, church, business, team, family, or marriage. We are so glad to be on this journey with you as we discover how we can work better together. Let's jump into our content. In the early 70s, a pastor named Chuck Smith did what very few Christian leaders were doing at the time and welcomed in the hippies, fully sanctified or still strung out, no shoes, bell-bottom pants. You get the picture. And this shattered people's entire framework for what it meant to be a part of the family of God. Calvary Chapel helped catalyze this incredible historical movement that people marvel at to this day called the Jesus People Movement or simply the Jesus Movement. Not only did they model radical love and practical unity, but they inspired so many other leaders into this during a highly divided, politically and socially polarized time. So much so that that there was actually an incredible film that's just come out called The Jesus Revolution that was recently released. Uh, Actually, I think it was just released this last Friday. Mm -hmm. And it follows this story of unity and partnership between Chuck Smith, Lonnie Frisbee, and a young Greg Laurie. The film does not shy away from both the challenges and gifts that this unlikely effort towards unity brought. And here we are today. Yeah, Char, we are so excited to have you on the We're Better Together podcast. Char is a pastor at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, the church that was actually featured in the film Jesus Revolution. Char, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Great to be with you Char, you're actually like the co-senior pastor at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa now, right? Yeah, that is my official title, co-senior pastor. So what does that mean to be a co-senior pastor? <laughs> um, it means a lot of listening and a lot of uh, team playing. Yeah, so right now uh, we are begin. We just began a two-year transition between me and my father. And so we are sharing that leadership role right now. And that takes a lot, you know, just of give and take and, you know, really focusing on what is the main thing and really coming down to just those shared values centering around, I think, the person ways, works, words of Jesus. So yeah, it's good. And it is also, it's difficult. That's cool, man. So yeah. Cool. Thanks for being on today. Yeah. My pleasure. And I think especially the specific situation that you're in right now, sharing leadership with your dad, who is from a different generation yeah. than you are, is such a beautiful picture of unity and working well together. And the fact that you guys are being so intentional about taking the two years to figure out what the priorities are is really, really wise. So Char, considering the movie um, that a lot of people are gonna be watching these next few weeks, um, we're so aware that we're in a really similar cultural landscape today. Uh, Being a follower of Jesus is very marginal in our society. Um, As you may have noticed, maybe with like the the statistics about the decline of the church and all this stuff, um, there's a high awareness of spirituality, especially in my generation, millennials, and then among Gen Z as well. Like you'll go to kind of different um, cultural hubs where you'll see crystal stores yeah, yeah. and you'll see intuition stores and kind of like this bent towards spirituality. 
Um, and then the boundaries of sexuality are constantly being debated. Um, and we also are really, really polarized politically and people are divided by race, by everything. Yeah. So considering all of that, what do you think that it means to fight for unity in your context today as a co-pastor um, at Calvary Chapel? Yeah, interesting. Fight for unity. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I see all of these things as um, incredible opportunities for the light of Jesus. Um, you know, I just think about when the sec secular... Um, or we could even say, I guess, sexual revolution kind of burns everything over just like every other revolution has. I think there'll be in incredible opportunities for the church to offer living water to a very thirsty world. Uh, I was just thinking about this. I'm teaching through the Gospel of John right now and just thinking about even just the woman at the well. You know, she is thirsty and she's seeking and Lo and behold, Jesus tells her, actually, the Father is also seeking. And just this beautiful picture where, um, you know, God is not opposed to seekers. And this fact that we actually have a culture right now who is spiritually hungry or spiritually thirsty yeah. is actually an incredible opportunity um, for the truth to win out mm -hmm. and for people to be drawn to Jesus. And so I do think, um, in my mind, this is a opportunity for the church to really be united about what is the main thing and i think the main thing for me in my life is the way of jesus you know it is um living my life as he lived his life following in his footsteps and inviting others to do likewise i think that is going to be the thing that will draw the most people to jesus and i think that's what can be the thing is going to unify the church more than anything else like forget eschatology ecclesiology politics all this like are you walking in the way of Jesus? Are you following in his footsteps? We all know the way of Jesus is about unity. Like that his, his prayer before he went to the cross yeah. was, Father, help them experience such perfect unity yeah. that the world will know that you love them like you love me. However, as the church, yeah. as followers of Jesus, we don't do a very great job of experiencing yeah. that unity. You've been a pastor, and it may, may be awesome for you to share just a little bit about your journey sure, yeah. being a pastor, but also what is one time you, over your years of pastoring, were able to just really rejoice mm. in a partnering and in unity that was taking place? Yeah. Could you can you share an example? Yeah, of absolutely. Yeah, so I um, was doing ministry in the Bay Area, um, for about 15 years, I was up there, and 13 of those years, I pastored a church, um, was the lead pastor, and um, our area had actually experienced, probably during the 1970s, 80s, even 90s, just incredible um, fallout among the churches. I mean, there was embezzlement, scandal, just you name it. And so uh, there was a lot, a lot of hurt, a lot of distrust. And so when I moved there in 2005, there had already been quite a bit of work to try to rebuild that unity. A lot of that was done around the work of prayer. Um, and so we had this pastor's prayer meeting. We'd meet every Tuesday. And, and it was almost like we kept trying at it and kept trying at it and kept trying at it. And I have to say, at the end of probably 10 years, um, I was gathered in a room with probably 70 different leaders from across our county 
and uh, Nancy Ortberg came and she shared with us and she was marveling at just the unity that we had the love and it wasn't just that we you know got together we knew each other we knew uh, each other's stories. We knew each other's prayer requests. We knew the troubles that were going on in the various churches, and we were united in praying and supporting one another through that. And I just, it was such an incredible experience. You know, so dear, dear friends of mine, you know, Evangelical Free Church, uh, Presbyterians to uh, Vineyard to AG, I mean, you name it, you know, and we're all super close and we're sharing what God's teaching us and we're pulpit swapping. And we just saw an incredible, beautiful unity across the churches. And all that to say, in 2017, we had um, a fire that swept through our city, actually came down out of the hills. Um, I'm forgetting the numbers right now. I think 1,600 homes were lost. Um and it was like a middle-class neighborhood and just watching the churches come together and meet those needs of the community were incredible. And I, that was only possible because we were already united. We were already doing that work, you know, and there was no one church that was kind of leading the charge or getting the glory. It was like, you know, almost like the book of Acts, you know, like however there was need, you know, resources were given. You know, awesome. The name of Jesus so was honored. Cool. It was beautiful, truly. Yeah. yeah. And I think what it sounds like is all of that was the result or the product of really deep relationships. Yeah. Um, there's one thing that Ian says a lot is that ministry moves at the pace of relationships. Mm, yeah. And I would even argue that unity also moves at the pace of relationships. Um, I think so many people use unity now as almost like a buzzword or even better together has been kind of a, um, how would you say it, like an idiom or something that people sure. say often um, in our culture, but it's usually expressed simply in like an event or something where everyone is in the same room, but not necessarily through relationships. And yeah. um, it sounds like what you're saying is that relationships are the best way to get the results that unity ultimately is supposed to bring. Yeah. So, I don't think so do you do you think that building relationships is easy and i'm wondering mm, yeah. i'm kind of assuming what you're going to say is no but would you say that it's easy or is it hard and if it is um then what are the specific things that maybe help combat the challenges of relationships that ultimately lead to unity yeah yeah i mean i think more than anything probably similar to you know what ian says but relationships take time and, you know, um, I guess depends on how much time do you have and how much time are you willing to sacrifice to get to know somebody um, and to get vulnerable enough with somebody that even the time that you're investing might cost you more time in the future because uh, you're potentially going to be bearing their burden, yeah. you know, as they disclose things to you. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think similar to what you were saying, Kate, or along those lines, it was over the course of 15 years that we built these deep, deep relationships in this community. And it was over meals. It was over a cup of coffee. And it was consistent, you know, just checking in with one another and um, following up on, you know, kind of those uh, things that were disclosed and confidence. And, yeah, so... Um, I would say, yeah, I don't know if I would say the word difficult. Um, I feel like 
just the way God's made me or formed me over the years is I have an inclination towards people. I want to be with people. I want to sit with people. I want to hear their story, but man, it's taxing for sure. It is, um, it takes its toll emotionally, uh, spiritually, mentally, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, I think part of what does make it difficult, right? In different contexts for unity is like, are, are people willing to take the time to bear, hear the story, listen. And, and, and like in working with a lot of pastors in a city context, you know, I, I can understand like they're all, they have so many relationships in their congregation they're working yeah. with. They have their board, their elders, whatever their leadership structure is. They have their family. They have all these things going on. Yeah. And then you, you start thinking about unity in the context of a city. Yeah, sure. You know, and that's that's what's really curious to me, too, about what you even experienced up in the Bay Area. Yeah. Um, was with uh, all those pastors over time, like it took time, but they were willing to take some time yeah. to make the connection. Is there is there something that you would attribute to, to that led led them to be willing to do that? And leads us yeah. just generally as people yeah. in being willing to fight for unity. Sometimes even in marriages, yeah. people don't take the time to fight for unity in their marriage. Yeah. So what what is it that helps us overcome that obstacle that keeps us from pursuing those relationships and that unity in, in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think for the Bay Area at least, I mean, the Bay Area is a difficult place to do ministry. Yeah. Most churches are small. You don't have large budgets, large staff. Um, it's lonely doing ministry. Mm -hmm. And so I think, honestly, it, desperation, I think, for, for many is what led them <laughs> to unity. Because, mm -hmm. man, I feel so alone. And is anybody else feeling what I'm feeling? Wow. You know, I feel like those have actually been the times for me where God has worked incredible unity. It's when... I have been desperate enough to share vulnerably about what's going on in my life with another brother, another sister, and that has allowed kind of this um, fusing together of friendship. You know, I can all think right now off the uh, top of my head at least two deep friendships I have, and they were fused together by sharing vulnerably about a difficulty. One was I shared, another was a friend of mine, he just got real with me about something that was going on. And we are still incredibly close to this day. But it, it was that desperation, you know, that led to vulnerability, that led to this deep connection and then ongoing connection. Mm -hmm. And so I think for yeah, the area that we were doing ministry in, again, I think it was that vulnerability and just the humility to say, man, I cannot do this alone. I need help. I need <laughs> friends. Mm -hmm. uh, I need support. And... Um, yeah, that really was, I think, the first step in the direction of unity for us. That's awesome. And I remember hearing not too long ago a pastor talk about that idea of vulnerability. And one of the things that he mentioned was that when the one person that's brave enough to open up opens up, 
it kind of opens up the gateways like the it floods all the way into everyone else yeah. and people are usually more receptive to being vulnerable in response to that as well so i was thinking especially for listeners um, if there are areas and places where you want to see unity maybe you're that person the catalyst that is supposed to be the first person to get vulnerable yeah. even or to in the christian context to confess or um, in other more secular contexts to just get deep about your life and get real and just to explain what's going on because yeah. just like what you're saying the vulnerability is the thing that leads towards unity and that's like the the prior step before you see those relationships actually being built yeah for sure yeah, yeah i do think my wife and i we try to operate by this principle we were very young when we first went into ministry i was 25 when i took over pastoring the church and i've been in ministry off and on you know um, since 19 helping supporting role, but, you know, we felt very much alone, you know, and, um, much of the older generation was actually absent in the church. They had already deconstructed and left the church in our area. Um, and so we felt man, like, where are the mothers, where are the fathers, who are the ones, you know, that we can look to. And so all that to say, we've tried to go forward with this operating principle. We're going to be for others, what we did not have for ourselves. And I think Caden, that's exactly along the lines of what you're saying. Like, and if I see this lacking, like, am I willing to step out and actually be that change? Right. Am I yeah. willing to put myself, uh, my own, <laughs> you know, um, reputation on the line for the sake of what I know needs to happen within you know, the community of God's people to be unified. Yeah. So. Uh, one thing that you mentioned is something that's kind of been on my mind a lot, the need for mothers and fathers, especially in the journey towards working better together. I think there is such a maybe stigma towards people that have gone before you yeah, sure, because maybe they, they don't know as much as you do because you're living in it now, or maybe they just don't understand. But I've even come to learn in my own journey towards learning about unity and working better together that that is so necessary even to seek out those people that have gone before you that you may misunderstand, but you push through the hard yeah. kind of moments in relationship with those people. So with that in mind, as a pastor, do you feel like it has been hard to connect generations and unify people maybe in their 20s and then in their 40s, 50s and 60s? And how have you gone about helping create unity even within your church yeah, community? That's a great question. Yeah, for me, I mean, really, it is time spent together and it's deep listening. You know, So um, a number of the board members at Calvary are um, of that older generation. You know, they're in their mid to late 60s. And for many of them, you know, when they think about getting back to kind of the golden days, you know, like how do we, how do we get back to the way things were uh, many times? And this is not a critique necessarily, but they're thinking of large scale events. They're thinking of, you know, what are the evangelistic events that we can do, you know, that will draw people in. And, and so, you know, um, me and the executive pastor, we work really well together. And so we spent a lot of time just listening to our board members, like, okay, what is the heartbeat? What are they actually after? They want to see people, come to meet Jesus. That's mm -hmm. our desire too. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we listen deeply and try to communicate. We have the same heart. And then 
you know, communicate. We believe that culture has radically changed, though, and people are no longer coming to the church in search of these answers. They're going out into the, you know, the culture looking for these answers. They're going out into nature looking for these answers. And so how can we be the church on mission going with them in those conversations? Yes. You know, how can we take Jesus to them rather than waiting for them to come meet Jesus at our facility? And so just deeply listening and I think finding those um, key values that we share in communicating our heart in that, like, we're actually on the same page, and this is how we think we're going to answer that heartbeat or you know that desire that's there. So yeah, that's so helpful. Deep listening and understanding the heart behind what people really desire. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of a lot of challenges, right, in in creating unity, um, and it sounds like you know you've you've experienced a lot of them. You've yeah. led churches, you've been in different settings doing that. So like even now, what are some challenges that you've you you say are are very clear and evident when it comes to trying to create unity? One of them I think you've mentioned already is the time factor. Sure. Yeah. Are there other things you'd point to that are just common obstacles for for achieving unity? Yeah, I, I think change is really difficult people and I think within generations right um, every generation seems to have kind of their way of thinking this is this is the way you know that we should do things or approach things and so um, I think that's always difficult that takes that kind of deep listening and clarifying well what are the shared values across generations as followers of Jesus and uh, trying to get on the same page with those things um, yeah, I mean, and I'm saying change in the sense of, you know, I'm part of a church that's been around for 60 years and has deep, deep traditions, mm-hmm. you know. And so even myself, um, Calvary Chapel is known for verse-by-verse verse teaching through the Bible. That's not the way that I teach. I teach more kind of thematically through mm-hmm. Scripture. And so I've even had pushback, like, do you believe in the Bible? It's like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know every word of it you know and so you know sharing my heart man i have a deep deep conviction about the word of god and i want to go as deep as possible as i can into the understanding and application of scripture but i'm approaching it in a different way and that's okay because we have the shared value of biblical fluency you know um but there's just some of those ideas that are just so deeply ingrained that if we see something different we um you know we're fearful, we demonize it, we um, critique it. And um, yeah, so difference, um, institutionalized thought, or you know, these are some of the big challenges, I think, for me right now, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not the way we do it here. Well, oh, that's okay. you know or that's not the calvary way that's a that's a thing you'll hear in calvary chapel a lot and so i always ask the question but is it the jesus way you know that's what we want to know like is it biblical is it after the heart of god because you know we want calvary to skew towards jesus you know not the other way around yeah and i would even say that like John 17, the prayer of Jesus, Jesus is intending us to work well together in unity. And that means 
you're going to have different people with different emphases. Mm. So, for example, some people are going to teach more thematically, like you're saying, and sure. some people are going to teach verse for verse. Or even in different contexts, you have the artist, you have the mom, you have um, the elderly that all bring a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're saying about listening well and understanding the heart of people is really going to help us even highlight and become more of who we're supposed to be. Yeah. Because I, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, from hearing you, there's anything wrong that you're doing by teaching thematically. Sure, of course. But I, I think just considering our cultural landscape, it's so it's so easy for us to even point the finger. Um, and I think the next steps would be to start helping us understand how everything functions as a whole, how each part kind of gives an addition. And I would even say like the way of Jesus is also a narrow way, but it's a way that brings everyone in. Yeah. And every single person has something, you know, different valuable to bring as well. Like as we're sitting here, we're, we're three different people that, probably have very different passions like Ian and I work together, but we have completely different backgrounds, even a different lifestyle. Sure. Uh, you're a pastor. I work at a nonprofit. I'm Hispanic. The two of you are not. <laughs> so I would even say like, even to have a beautiful, productive conversation, you need those different yeah. um, perspectives, different approaches as well. Yeah. Um, I had one question. A lot of our listeners aren't pastors. Sure. Um, some of them might not even ever, go into a church or enter, enter a church, what would be something that you would say to them on learning how to work better together in their context? Or what would be some tips from your perspective that you would give them? Yeah, I mean, so something I say a lot to our staff, to our congregation, um, is you are needy and you are needed. And I think if everyone can live in that mindset, like you said, you know, every single person has gifts, perspective, um, experiences to share. Everyone has that. And if I can understand that is true about me and equally about my neighbor, the person across from me, the person of, you know, different ethnicity, background, uh, different faith, whatever it might be, man, like, we are going to be better together. You know, you think about even just the word, you know, Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. Uh, the word, you know, in Greek has this idea of a learner. And um, I'm listening to a friend recently just remind our staff, um, we have to learn culture. We have to learn people, especially if we want to effectively uh, communicate the gospel and the good news of Jesus. That takes um, and yeah, being curious about the other person, about what they bring, what their background is, what their gifts are, what their passions are, what their fears are, you know, where do they hurt? Um, and I think that that is one of the thing that brings incredible unity is that again, going back to that, just curiosity that exhibits itself in deep listening, uh, humble listening, not quick to correct or, um, you know, answer, well, you're, you know, asking a question so that you can actually tell them your, you know, already kind of prepackaged answer to the question that you're asking them, but truly curious about them and about their story. So um, I think those are just some of the principles that will bring incredible unity and friendship, you know, uh, unexpected friendships, mm-hmm. you know, which are such a gift um, as human beings. Yeah. yeah. You know, listening to you, Char, we, we interviewed, Back in 
Last year, we interviewed uh, the starting linebacker, I think I mentioned to you earlier, of yeah. the Chicago or the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, uh, Drew Tranquil. And we were asking him about this whole idea of unity and working together. And it's it's always interesting me, to me when we do these interviews, there, there are common themes that sure. come out. And the common thing I'm hearing from what a starting linebacker, hmm. the NFL said, and what you are saying as a pastor is humility. Yeah. Right? Truly, yeah. The humility to listen to someone else's story, the humility to admit you have a need, yeah. the humility to think about where someone else is coming from. Like, you don't have unity without humility. Absolutely. And um, it's interesting to just hear how you're you're pointing to some of those same things. Yeah. I mean, I just, as you're saying that, I'm just thinking about even in a marriage, you know, like I can think that I'm loving my wife um, and I can be communicating love in all the wrong ways. And it takes that humility to say, actually, I don't know what you need. Can you tell me? So good. You know, Uh, so yeah, just across almost all relationships, it is, humility is key to that unity and getting on the same page. Yeah. And I would even say maybe sometimes the people that you're trying to love or care for or be united with may not even have those answers to to tell you, oh, can you tell me how to love you better or how to be more united with you? And they might say, I don't know, which is why you need the other people, the mothers and fathers, the community, um, the church or the neighbors to even help give different voices. And that's why I think there's such a high value on this podcast of bringing in different perspectives, different people, different roles, because you're never going to have um, too many like helpful perspectives, I think, especially on this road to unity. And it's something that I don't think we'll ever get to the end of. I think it's something that we're going to be on an ongoing journey towards, but we can get better when we bring in different voices, ask the right questions and, like, like you guys were talking about, start with the idea of humility first. It's such a key thing. And, and Char, we appreciate your humility and being willing to come in and talk with us today and just be part of this with us. So thank you for that, first of all. And then secondly, as we're just wrapping up, like if there was one thing, maybe it's a humility, I don't know, but whatever, yeah. if there was one thing you wanted to make sure our listeners left this conversation with as it pertains to fighting for unity in their context, what would that one thing be? Yeah, I think for me, yeah, the key is it's time around conversation and it's asking those deep questions. I mean, you, I think we'll find as we step into this, there are people who have never been asked, like, what do you want? What makes you happy? What are you after? Like they've never even been asked those deep heart questions. They're just kind of operating, you know, just kind of what they've been told to want, what they've been told to do. And they've never actually plumbed the depths of what am I after? What am I looking for? And where do I think I'm going to find it? And I, I just think, man, we, um, we give such a gift to humans when we ask those deep heart questions that help them kind of go, into the core of their own identity mm. desires and be able to pull that out. I mean, that's, that's an incredible gift I've been on the receiving end of 
Mm. Um, so good. Yeah. So, yeah. and then maybe like to the degree that they're willing to answer is the to the degree of unity that you may be yeah. able to have. With Truly. Them, yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think sometimes I mean I've had cases actually one recently where I've just had to come at this again and again. Uh, I have a friend that says you know um, go at the speed of trust, mm-hmm. and so you know. I oversee a staff and my job is to care for them and to check in with them. And there been some where, you know, I press and no, 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 no don't touch that. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, no problem. Okay, great. You know, but I'm going to keep asking, you know, yeah. <laughs> so we come back around to it. And I had one recently just open up like, okay, I'm, I want to talk about this thing. I was like, I'm ready. That's Let's so do it. Good. Yeah. So, so now the unity with that person can become even stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. It's a great principle, man. Very good. Char, you've left us so inspired. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us. Uh, quick question. How can listeners connect with you after this podcast if they want to maybe get some help or get more resources? Yeah. Is there any way that they can connect with you? Um, yeah, my um, through my email be one way. Um, char at C-C-C-M, that's three C's, dot com. Um, that's a great way to connect with me, um, uh, through our radio station. I've got, you know, studies that I do on there and those are broadcasted from there. So that's on K wave, um, the local radio station here in orange County. Um, and then also through our website, you know, we've got tons of resources, articles that I've written, uh, podcasts that we've done, uh, Sunday morning teachings, various classes I've taught. So yeah, all those resources I would love to make available anytime to anybody so so great char we're we're excited to be getting to know you better and see how god continues to use you to lead in unity at calvary chapel yeah thanks, and, uh, we're excited for that and for our listeners if, if you're hungry for some more resources or tips please make sure that you visit our website as well at wearetrellis.com forward slash podcasts where you'll gain access to more podcasts and be inspired by real people who are walking this out with us. We appreciate you taking the time today. Yes, and if you're moved or inspired by this podcast and you want to lead a movement of working better together in your contacts, again, email us, this time at info at wearetrellis.com. And one more thing, we believe that the work we're doing is valuable and that people need to hear the new narratives and stories just like this. Please consider joining our Better Together family by making a financial pledge on our Trellis website. All you have to do is visit wearetrellis.com slash give and you'll be on your way. We will see you guys later. Come back for our next podcast pretty soon.